Hold up your Bible or your phone, and let's say this out loud together. This is my Bible. It is God speaking to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I open my heart today to hear God speak a word that will change my life forever. Open in your Bible with me to Matthew chapter 26, and I want to bring an Easter message to you titled, The Day That Changed Everything. Who we are today and how we live and, and so forth, what we're experiencing, we know it's really, it, it's really a combination of a lot of small decisions that have been made and experiences in our history and so forth. But if we were to look back at our life, we would probably identify several significant days that really we would say, that was a day that changed everything. It was a game-changing day for us. Could you, you probably think of some for, for your own life, right? For me, I look back in, well, it was actually about two weeks, maybe three weeks before Easter of 1995. I had been in the ministry for a short time. I got out of high school. Two days out of high school, I went right into ministry, being a youth pastor. This was in Northern California. And uh, the pastor's daughter said to me one day at a church work day, she said, we need to go to lunch. And now here I am, a man of God, 18 years old, serving Jesus. My eyes are pure and on the Lord only. And she says, we need to go to lunch. Well, I'm also an 18-year-old guy, and so I never pass up food, right? And... uh, here we are, we're working hard, so after we get through the workday a little bit, we go out to lunch, and she sits me down when we finally get our table, and she looks at me in the eye, and she says, look, because my wife would play piano and, and, and help to lead worship my wife now. Same girl, same girl. <laughs> she wasn't my wife then, but this girl played piano, and she said, there's, there's something going on because you're always giving me these eyes. And uh, I don't want to play any games, so I want to ask you, what are your intentions with me? And if I didn't ask you, my dad's going to. (laughs) Nevertheless, that was a day that changed everything right there. Because prior to then, we had never expressed any feelings like, you know, it's never sent a little note, do you like me, yes or no, or anything like that. We never said, hey, will you go out with me? Nothing along those lines. I really had made a decision to serve Jesus and not get into a dating relationship again until I would, uh, it would be the one that I was going to marry. And so I looked her in the eyes and I said, my intentions are to marry you. How's that for like a first date that wasn't even really a date, right? Well... Let's fast forward, but not very far. About two and a half to three weeks later, we were engaged. And uh, when I look back, I think that was a day that changed everything for me. Here we are, four kids, you know, two states later, 22 years of marriage, uh, 10 houses. I mean, we moved, moved around. That changed everything in my life because of that conversation. That's, that's why it's so important. I, th- I thank God that I made it to that work day that day. She would have missed out on all of this. 
And I'd have missed out on all of that. That's why you don't want to miss out on the work days for church. You never know what God has in store for you. There are days that change everything. There's, there's other significant days. I mentioned to you, I gave my life to the Lord when I was 17 years old. That was a day that changed everything in March of 1993. It changed everything, the direction of my life. I want to talk to you about the day that changed everything, and I want to take a little journey through the life of a, of a disciple in the Bible, and maybe you can identify with him at certain stages. Uh, it's a story of Peter. And let's take a little journey. Before we get to that Matthew verse, I want to read something to you uh, from Luke chapter 5, verse 4 through 6. When Jesus first met Peter, one of the the most well-known disciples and followers of him, Jesus had just finished preaching. And so he sees his disciples in the boat, and uh, so he says, hey, can I use your boat to keep preaching? Verse 4 says, when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Simon Peter, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered him, and Simon is also known as Peter. Simon answered him and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. I want you to remember that. They said, we've been working hard fishing all night long, and we have accomplished nothing. We have caught zero. That is a terrible day for a fisherman right there especially when it's not recreational, it's your livelihood. So remember what Peter said. We've we fished all night, but we've caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. G- Peter is sitting there, and he recognizes this guy has the ability to turn some things around in my life. And so Peter and some of the other uh, soon-to-be disciples, some of his partners in his fishing business, Jesus said to them, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And the Bible says that immediately they left everything and they followed him. So they began to follow Jesus. And for the next three plus years, Peter is right there alongside with Jesus. When he saw who Jesus was and recognized what he could do in his life, Peter said, I'm going to follow you. Many of us at times have uh, made a decision or a declaration to follow Jesus at some point because we knew that he can turn some things around in our lives. That was me right there. I knew he could turn some things around. Well, uh, let's, let's move forward in the story. About three and a half years later, it comes to what we just celebrated here, kind of, you know, you have, you have the Palm Sunday and you move into the, the Good Friday. Well, a couple days before that, about Thursday-ish, Jesus is sitting down with his followers there, his disciples, Peter included, and he says to them in Matthew chapter 26, he says, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. So he's, it's, Jesus is basically saying, the Bible says that this is what's going to happen. And then he goes on to say, but after I have been raised, I'll go before you to Galilee. Peter answered and said to him, even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Even if all give up, I'll never give up. Listen to his confidence, right? He knew, he saw Jesus with that miraculous catch of fish. He made a decision to follow Jesus quite some time ago, and he had been up to this point. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you that this night, this is how long your little commitment's gonna last. (laughs) You're saying that right now, but this night, 
before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. It's as if Jesus said, what part of all of you don't you understand, right? <laughs> like all of you means all of you, all of y'all if you're from the South, right? Or y'alls, I think it is if you're from the South and there's more than one. Uh, Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so did all the other disciples. Peter is sitting here and he's saying, I am committed. Even if I have to die, I'm not going to quit. Let me ask you a question, and, uh, and maybe it's two parts here. Have you ever told the Lord at some point, God, I will never do this again? Have you ever said, I'll never do it again? You know what it is. I don't have to say, we don't have to go up and write it on the board or anything, but you know what it is. But let me finish up. You've ever said, I'll never do it again, but yet you've done it? Come on, raise your hands. Can we be honest here? I don't want to have to preach on lying today, so, so let's just be honest, okay? I've done it. We've all done that. God, I'm never going to do that again. We make this promise, and yet we go back on it. That's Peter right here. He's, he's setting himself up for that. Now, here's the deal. Jesus says this to the disciples. They're all there. Well, Judas goes, and he betrays Jesus. A gang comes to seize Jesus. They have swords and clubs. And Peter, the man who just said, I, I'll never deny you, he pulls out his sword, and he tries to take the head off of one of those guys, a guy by the name of Malchus. And he, he misses, and he only catches his ear. Jesus says, it's enough. Put your sword away. And then he reaches, and he touches the guy's ear, and then he goes away with them willingly as they arrest him. Now, Peter was just about to fight to the death, and he declared to Jesus, I won't deny you. And then he even seemed to prove it and demonstrate it by his actions, saying, saying I have got your back on this. Let me, let me go a little bit in a different direction for just a moment, and then we'll get right back on track. We need people like Peter in our life, this Peter right here. People who, when they pull their sword, you're not wondering what they're going to do with it. Like, is that for me or is that for something else? You need people. I need people on my team. You need people on your staff. You need friends that when someone comes against you, they're willing to cut off Malchus's ear. Right? Like, like no one's going to come against you on my watch. This is the Peter that we're talking about right here. We need people like that. When we pull out our words, we're not coming against our friends. We're coming uh, on, out on behalf of them, right, to defend them. We need people like that. That's Peter. That's who he was. That's what kind of man he was. But then we just follow the story a little bit further. Because between pulling out the sword and then being told to put it away and watching Jesus, who had the power to change everything, kind of submit, put his hands out and get arrested, and walk. Can you imagine what Peter must have felt? All this hope, and like, we're in for a fight right now, and who doesn't love a good fight? You know, I've got Jesus. He can just wipe all these guys out. I'm going to take some guys too. It's like he's deflated on the inside because the Bible says that all the disciples, they fled, but, but then we get a little bit further along, and we move from Peter's declaration to that denial that Jesus talked about. And in Matthew 26, moving on to verse 69, it says this, Now Peter sat outside in the courtyard. So they had taken Jesus away to his little phony judgment place. You know, they, they weren't really supposed to do it, but they set him up like that. And uh, they were starting to accuse him and so forth in this courtyard of the high priest. So right out in the courtyard from his house. And uh, it says, And Peter sat outside in the courtyard, 
And a servant girl came to him saying, you also were with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied it before them all. He said, I don't know what you're saying. And when he had gone out to the gateway, another girl saw him and said to those who were with him, this fellow, he was with Jesus of Nazareth. But again, he denied with an oath. He denied with an oath saying, I do not know the man. And you know what an oath is? It's like when you put your hand on the Bible and you, you raise your other hand and you say, I swear to tell the truth. So he didn't have put his hand on a Bible, but he did something like saying, I swear, I do not know the man. It's a second denial. Here he is about ready to pull out a sword and fight to the death one moment, and now he's cowering before a girl, the great and mighty Peter. <laughs> Verse 73, a little later, those who stood by came up and said to Peter, surely you are one of them, for your speech betrays you. Then he began to curse and swear. So he went from taking an oath to now he's just cussing, right? Like, no, you know, I'm not going to tell you. You can, make, you can make up the words in your own. Don't do it. Don't do it. But he begins to cuss and swear, curse and swear, saying, I do not know the man. And then immediately a rooster crowed. Immediately a rooster crowed. Sometimes we think we, we've got, got it together so much more than we do. Sometimes we think we know what's going to happen so much more than we do. We think we're so much stronger than we are. Peter is sitting here, and if anyone was going to follow Jesus, it's Peter. But here he is denying that he ever knew him. Can you imagine how bad Peter must have felt when he heard the rooster crow? But I think it's probably worse than just how I described it because there's other parts to the story that gives us a better picture. When you look in Luke chapter 22, verses 60 through 61, Peter's denying it, and Peter says in verse 60, man, I don't know what you're saying. Immediately while he was speaking, the rooster crowed. And look at this verse. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. See, this courtyard wasn't a large courtyard. Maybe it's 30 by 30 yards across, and, and here he is, and there's people moving about, and, and Jesus is over on one side, and Peter's over here, maybe, you know, within earshot of one another. But when that rooster crows, Peter, you know, he denies it. Jesus looks up at him, and he makes eye contact with him. I told you, you're going to deny me. That rooster crows. And it's sort of like, oh, I'm caught. But not like I'm caught, like, oh, no, I'm caught. But, oh, I did it. Imagine the shame. Imagine the guilt. Imagine the frustration with himself. But I think it's even worse than that because when Jesus turned and looked at him, it says, Peter, remember the word of the Lord, how he said to him, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. You've got to know what was happening to Jesus while Peter was in there denying him. Luke chapter 22, verse 64, it says, And having blindfolded him, they struck him on the face, and they asked him, saying, Prophesy, who's the one who struck you? So while Peter's standing over here, Jesus is over here, and he's being blindfolded and struck with the hands and with, with a, a stick. And they're saying, prophesy to us. If you're, if you're a prophet, tell us, who's the one who did this? And Mark chapter 15, verse 17 through 19, says, They clothed him with purple, and they twisted a crown of thorns. They put it on his head, and they began to salute him. Hail the king of the Jews. Then they struck him on the head with a reed, and they spit on him, bowing the knee, and they, they worshipped him. 
So here they are. They're mocking Jesus. They're beating Jesus. When Jesus turns and looks at Peter, it's not just the, I told you so, but Jesus has black eyes. Jesus has a busted nose, a busted lip. He has blood dripping down his face because of the crown of thorns on his head and being hit over the head. He's being mocked and spit upon. Mark also says that his beard was yanked out. Jesus isn't just in there for questioning. The beating has already begun. And yet in the midst of all the things he's going through, he hears the rooster crow and he looks at Peter and he makes eye contact with him. You think about this and you think, man, I, I'm I'm not like Peter. I've never denied him with my words. I've never, I've never said, I don't, I, I don't belong to him. I don't know who he is. I've never, I've never denied knowing him with my words. But let me ask you a question. Have you ever denied him with your actions? And I'm talking to you because I know not everybody has made a decision to follow Jesus here at this point, but probably the majority of us have. And and when you make that decision, you know that there's no turning back. Like, I, I'm not going back to, to where I was before. I don't want to. And so you would never deny him with your words, or you, you, you would hope not to. But have you ever denied him with your actions? Titus 1.16 says, They profess to know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable, disobedient, disqualified for every good work. They, in their works they deny him. I've been serving the Lord for 25 years. To my knowledge, I can't ever think of a time that I've denied Jesus with my words. But I can think of too many times that I've denied him in my actions. And I know that feeling that Peter must have felt as well, as if Jesus looks at me and, God, I'm sorry. I don't want to do that. I don't, that's not who I am. When we think of the, about the price he's paid, that's not how I want to be. But what changed? What changed for Peter? How did Peter, who was this denier of Christ in the midst of Jesus's greatest need, the one who denied that he even knew him, how did things turn around for him to where he became what's known later as a pillar of the church, one of the most respected followers of Jesus of all times? What happened to make, you know, to turn things around? Well, we know it was the day that changed everything. So here we are, maybe Thursday night-ish or so, and Peter's denying Jesus. But just a couple days later, things turned around. When some of the ladies that were a part of the followers of Jesus, they went to go and address the body of Jesus in the tomb, and they found it empty. And they ran and they told Peter and John, they said, he's not there. He's not there anymore. Somebody took the, the body away. And so Peter and John, they ran to check it out. And sure enough, Jesus was gone. He wasn't in the grave anymore. So he had not yet seen the risen Jesus. He didn't even really understand it all at this point. He's still the one who had denied Jesus. But he went to go look and see what had happened. Well, let's move on down to John chapter 21. And I said, okay, if I give you some scriptures, because these are important for us. You, you can forget what I say, but if you go back to the book here, it, it'll say the same thing over and over and over again. And you can always go back, and God will continue to speak to you. That's why we like to go through the Word in here, because the Word is God speaking to us. And in John chapter 21, it starts off with this verse in verse 3. Simon Peter says to them, 
I'm going fishing. This is after the resurrection of Jesus. This is after Jesus had already appeared to Simon and the other disciples at least two times. So after Peter had seen the risen Jesus, and Jesus proved like, hey, I'm not dead, but I'm alive, and he had spoken to him and spent some time with him at least on two occasions, Peter still, he finds himself at this place where on the inside he's carrying a tremendous amount of shame, rejection, feeling as if he doesn't have what it takes. He's a big failure. He's tried to serve Jesus in the past, but it didn't work. And I know Jesus is alive, and I know that, that you know, he's got great plans, and I know that he can make all the difference, but on the inside of me, I don't see how I could ever measure up. I don't see how I could ever have a place in his plan anymore because of the decisions I've made and how I treated him. So even though Jesus was alive and Peter knew it, yet he wasn't willing to fully give his life to Jesus at this point. He still was holding on to some things because of the hurt and the shame that he carried. And I bet you there's some people here today who've made decisions to follow Jesus in the past, but there's been stumbling blocks along the journey. And sometimes you see yourself as one who doesn't really have a place. And so Peter says to everybody, he says, I'm going fishing. And I don't think he just means, guys, I just got to get stuff off my mind. What I think Peter's saying, I'm going back to my old way of life. I'm going back to what I used to do, what I, what I know. Because everything that I thought I knew, I just, I just, it doesn't make sense to me right now. They said to him, well, we're going with you. Beware of the influences, right? We're going with you. So they went out, and immediately they got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. Now, follow this, because the Bible's pointing out this story again. They caught nothing. But when the morning had come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. He's off at a distance. And then Jesus says to them, children, have you any food? That's a, a lousy fisherman's worst question, you know, to be asked. Hey, have you caught anything yet? Makes me think whenever someone asks me and I haven't caught anything, I'm like, yeah, if I catch this one I'm after and three more, I'll have four. That's right. So he asked them, have you caught any fish yet? Do you guys have any food? And they're like, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of the fish. If you keep reading, you see that Peter recognized that's Jesus right there. That's Jesus. So, so Peter puts on his coat, and he jumps in the water. He's about 100 yards from shore, and he, and he you know, swims, runs to Jesus, and gets out there. And then, uh, and then Peter, uh, Jesus is already on the shore, and he has got a little fire going and some fish of his own. He's cooking. He's like, okay, you guys can bring some of your food too, all right? But I've got it all taken care of for you already. See, I think it's really interesting that uh, right here, Jesus uses the same miracle, and I think it's important that the Bible points this out, that how Jesus did it and what he said and what their experience was without him. And then when they heard his word and they did what he said, what their experience was with them. It's as if Jesus, when he does the same miracle, because he doesn't have to do that, but why did he do it? It's as if, it's as if Jesus is saying, it's okay, Peter. It's okay, Peter. I know that you messed up, but I want you to know that you can start over. I want you to know that I died for your failures. I want you to know that I rose again so that you can start all over. It's as if Jesus is saying, let's just start from the beginning again. He's not sitting there saying, Peter, you blew it and there's no chance. He's saying, I'm willing to go back to the beginning with you. 
And I think about Jesus with us as, as he's willing to go back. If you're willing, he'll meet you there. And he'll start all over. And there may be th- people here that feel like, man, I've lost so much and I can never recover. And Jesus says, that's all right. I'll walk right through the process with you. Jesus says to him, cast your net on the other side. Peter says, that's the Lord. That's the Lord. Then we go on in the passage where Jesus, and many of you would know this maybe, but Jesus asks Peter, he sits down with him on a one-on-one. He has that conversation. He says, can I go out to lunch with you today? Because this is going to be a day that changes everything. And he looks at Peter in the eyes and he says, Peter, do you love me? And then Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you. He says, feed my, feed my lambs. And then he says, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know, I, I love you. We'll feed my sheep. Then he asks him one more time, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Sometimes we think that it's uh, maybe a, a negative thing, like, like Jesus is coming down on him or, or whatever, trying to fill him out like, hey, are you real committed? I don't think so. It's when Jesus asks Peter these three times, it's, it's not that Jesus needs to know that Peter loves him, but it's almost as if Peter needs to know that he still loves Jesus and that Jesus is affirming this with him. And he's not sitting there saying, I'm questioning your love for me, but he's reaffirming, Peter, on the inside of you, I know there's a love for me. And Peter, until you know it, You're going to be walking in this shame. You're going to want to go back to this old way of living with those old friends doing those old things that used to do that were always fruitless. You were doing those things, and you hated life back then. Peter, I want you to know that I haven't given up on you, but on the inside of you, I know there's a love for me, but you need to know that. You need to know that. It's so easy to walk around with guilt and shame and get beat up by religion. And Jesus isn't like that. After Peter failed his faith, he was ready to go back to his old life. And Jesus is saying, you don't have to go back to that. Now he continues to talk to him. In verse 18 of John 21, he begins to tell him some things that are real important. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, Peter, you girded yourself, you clothed yourself, and you walked where you wished. But when you were old... You will stretch out your hands, and another will gird you, and they will carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God, what death Peter would die. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Now, when he said this to Peter, we know through history that, that this was the death that, that Peter actually died. In fact, not only did he go to the cross for his faith, but when he got to it, he said, please crucify me upside down because I'm not worthy to die like my Lord. And so he was crucified upside down according to, to church history. Jesus said, this is what's going to happen to you. He's telling them ahead of time, most of us don't want to know how we're going to go, do we? Because, I mean, most of us were thinking like, man, I just want to go to sleep, you know, wake up in heaven. Like my grandpa, not like the other four people in his car. No, okay, delayed. I know, I know. I got to bring it up for just a minute. Most of us don't want to know how we're going to go. Jesus tells Peter, 
how he's going to go. Now, Peter, then he, after he lays out the, the plan of the cross, he says these two words to him, follow me, follow me, which is interesting because those are some the first words that Jesus said to Peter. It's not the first time Peter heard it. In fact, Matthew 16, 24, Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Now listen to the context, because Jesus, when he's saying to follow me, he's been saying these words for quite some time, and Peter knew what the cross meant. He meant that following Jesus and taking up his cross meant death. But he didn't know until this point of seeing Jesus on the other side that that following him to the cross meant life after death. And so Peter was willing to follow Jesus to the cross to death, but, but, but that's as far as he knew. And Jesus is on the other side now, and he's saying, but there's something else afterwards. Peter was invited to follow him not just to the cross to die, but he's invited to follow him to this life that never ends. And Jesus is telling him, follow me, Peter. Go through. It's worth it. One other time when it mentions Peter following Jesus is back in Matthew chapter 26, verse 58. When Jesus was being led away by the mob to be examined, verse 28 or 58 says, but Peter followed him at a distance. To the high priest's courtyard, and he went in and sat with the servants to see the end. Peter, who started off following Jesus, at some point backed off and was following at a distance. So let me ask you two questions. Are you following Jesus? And the second question is, how closely are you following him? Have you backed off a little bit, a lot of bit, are you not following as closely as you want to on the inside? Maybe it's because you're not sure what's going to happen if you do. Maybe you think you can control it on your own. Maybe you think you're better off if you just maintain the, the lordship of your own life and the decisions that, that are made. Peter backed off. We need to hear this, that Jesus is calling us to follow him. Peter heard those words. He caught it, and he ran with it, all the way to the point of the cross himself, giving his life and being crucified. But this conversation right here, though Jesus had already resurrected and Peter knew it, this was the day that changed everything for Peter. It wasn't just the resurrection from the tomb which gave him the ability to change, but it's when he came face to face with Jesus himself and had an honest conversation and determined and identified on the inside of him, yes, I do love you, and no, I don't have to carry the guilt and shame anymore, and he turned a corner. This is the day that changed everything for Peter. This is the same Peter that in Acts chapter 2, uh, verse 15 through 17, it said, Peter said that these people aren't drunk as you suppose. It's only the third day. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And he begins to preach about the Holy Spirit coming upon uh, all the people there. He goes on in the book of Acts in chapter 3. Peter said, silver and gold I don't have, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. This is a guy who's boldly preaching before thousands of people 
people. He's boldly stepping out in faith and believing God to do miracles in his life. In chapter 4, Peter said, There is not salvation in any other, nor is there any other name under heaven given by which men must be saved. He knows that Jesus is the Savior, and he's willing to declare it at risk of his own life. In chapter 5, it says that they brought the sick out into the streets. They laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. What made the difference? What made the difference in Peter's life going from following him at a distance and denying that he even knows him? I'll tell you what made the difference. Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave. And Jesus demonstrated that to Peter. And he grabbed a hold of Peter's heart by looking him in the eye and saying, Jesus, or Peter, I know, I know that you still love me. And I want you to know that I love you. And I am not casting you off or rejecting you, but I am inviting you to follow me. And that's where we find ourselves this morning as we close out. I'm going to actually have the worship team come up to lead us in this song. But I want to respond to the Lord for just a moment. And as they're coming, would you do this? Would you think about your decision to follow Jesus. And I believe that many of us here may even recommit ourselves to the Lord today. Maybe because we've been following at a distance and the Lord is saying, no, come a little closer. Maybe you're here today and you haven't made a decision to follow him at all. And today is a day that for you, you make that decision. Peter had seen the risen Jesus before. Maybe you've been in church multiple times. Maybe you've heard the the message several times. I grew up not going to church with family, but here and there with friends. But it was when I was 17 years old that finally someone looked me in the eye and they said, have you ever made a decision to give your life to Jesus? Now I had said prayers and I had done, you know, know, raised my hands and stuff, but I knew in my heart, no, I've never, I've never given my life over to Jesus. And that day I did and it turned everything around for me. So I want to invite you, would you bow your heads? And maybe you're here today and you say, that's me. I need to recommit my life to Jesus. While all heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I want to ask you, would you simply acknowledge that by raising your hand? I'm not going to ask you to stand up or come forward. But if there's anyone here who would say, man, I want to recommit my life to Jesus today, would you raise your hand up? Raise your hand and just declare that to the Lord. God, I'm committing myself to him. Anybody at all would say, Jesus, I want to give you my life for the first time or recommit. Jesus, I thank you that you call us, every single one of us, into a deeper relationship with you. Lord, I pray that we would encounter you like Peter did, being freed from any shame or guilt or condemnation. All the past things that have weighed us down and kept us back, today would be a day that we lay those things aside. And we say, Lord, I give you my love, God. I love you, and I will follow you. Would you say that, Jesus, I decide to follow you. I love you, and I thank you that you love me.